Hello, and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-host, starting with L's, the lovable, the loquacious, and the never-languid Mary Abijay. <laughs> oh my gosh, Chris, I was going to use loquacious, and now I can't. <laughs> Darn it. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Mary Abijay, and it is my distinct honor to introduce you to my co-host, the lively, the luminous, the lyrical, <laughs> Mr. Chris DeSantis. Yo, Chris, what's up? Hi, Mary. Well, it's good to see you. Hey, thanks for that. I really enjoyed that. Did you notice I did a reverse this time? See, never languid as opposed to languid. So I thought that was a nice... I like that. Although, you know, being languid really is my dream. That's why I work so hard now is that someday I could just lie on the couch like a beach bum. I don't see you ever being languid. It's true. Hey, Chris, what are we talking about today? Well, today's a good day. Uh, Today we're talking about workplace engagement and about, I think, you know, the question is happy yet. So uh, it's really about working with your colleagues and your customers. So uh, we'll we'll talk about that in a moment uh, because actually you have a background in this. I do, Chris. I do have a little background in this. And you know what? I have a surprise for you today. Oh, I love surprises. I know. Well, <laughs> we heard from a listener about one of our past episodes and how it helped her. It's almost like one of these urban myths. So if you're ready, I'm going to tell you what we'll call her Janet. Uh, and we'll say Janet in Minnesota. Anyway. Do you know which episode it was? What, what? It was. It was, uh, should I grit? It was either my boss sucks or should I grit or should I quit? Yeah. Um, but so, so she inspired her to quit her job because Ooh. her immediate supervisor was a horror show. And so she had uh, linked in me and said, I'm going to do this. Thank you for the inspiration. And then she sent a note and here's what it said. She said, update. I submitted my letter of resignation to the president yesterday. Today, I received a call from him letting me know that the new director, her boss has been fired terminated. The president <laughs> the president reiterated that uh, she was too valuable a team member to lose and he was sorry he didn't recognize it before. He has asked her to stay on and be an integral part in moving the department and the firm forward. She said she's so glad that she stood her ground and stood up for herself because all good things came of it. Wow, well, that Isn't is that great. crazy. That's great. And Janet, if you're listening, give us five stars for that. How about it? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> or send us a check because we just completely saved saved your life. But I love that because you know yeah. she said you're not. I don't want to work for you anymore. And her apparently the president didn't know how bad this but her boss was. And right. when he had to choose between the two of them, he chose her. I love this story. That's, it's a great story. It's a feel good day. Well, it is a good day. And speaking of good days, and, and, and this back to our topic, this workplace engagement, I thought I'd start with you because we have about three questions today. And one of them really refers back to what you did in your past to some degree. Uh, it's about the service industry. And you worked in a bar. Mary owned a bar, if you, for those listeners who don't know this. And, and I, my question to you is, you, you must have had irritating customers from time to time. What did you do in those circumstances? Not only were they irritating, Chris, they were usually drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a bar. So, yeah. So I actually also, I owned a bar. I actually owned two places, a bar, and then I owned down the street a nightclub. Uh, oh. So irritating customers. Well, when you own a bar, you can 
throw them out. Uh, and so we would throw them out. Or at the nightclub, I'd go get my big, you know, six foot six, big beefy bouncers to throw them out. Um, and it's really funny now, I'll, I'll meet people in the Washington DC area who used to go to my bar. And they'll, and the first thing I ask them is like, did I ever throw you out? <laughs> Usually they'll say yes. And then I say, did you deserve it? And they'll say yes. <laughs> so, you know, back then, so with your irritating customers, honestly, though, um, you, you try to really, you do what you can to accommodate them. You do what you can to make them feel valued. Uh, and at the end of the day, if they're really crossing a line, then you have to think about whether or not you want them as customers, either in that moment um, or forever. Right. No, I agree with that. I remember that that was a story about um, what was that store in uh, Filene's basement in Boston. And there was a story there about these two sisters that would shop there and she they were notorious for how un unpleasant they were. And finally, the uh, the I guess it was the president at the time of Filene's basement sent a letter to them and said, "We all, we we've we've enjoyed our time with you, and we we look forward to your uh, experiences at Macy's because uh, they they were unwelcomed there, which I thought was very funny. Well, you know, I love that. Um, you know, it's really hard when you're in the service industry. You know, and I consider myself still in the service industry, being a consultant. So, like when we have irritating clients uh, now, you know, I try to first of all, I try to breathe. And, you know, relax right. a little bit. I try to put myself in their shoes. I try to accommodate them. Uh, and one of the things I, I'm constantly trying not to do is not to complain about my clients, the pesky annoying oh, ones, yes. to my team, because I don't want them to start complaining about our clients. Um, and so I just spend a lot of time sort of managing that dynamic mm -hmm. when my team says, you know, this person's being such a pain or this or that. And I'm like, you know what? This is, you know, stuff is really important to them, um, less we can do to accommodate them. So I spend a lot of time trying to keep my team in a positive space with pesky customers. And not that we have that many, but there's always one or two that are annoying. No, and in fact, that's going to be one of our customers is dealing with a team situation like that. Ah, or so, one love. of our questions, excuse me. So in fact, speaking of questions, you ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here comes our first question. It's called whoop do. I don't mean to come off as a curmudgeon, but I'm really tired of celebrating birthdays, births, and now gender surprise parties. I didn't even know there was such a thing. I thought working remotely would spare me from this, but they've moved the celebrations onto Zoom. <laughs> How do I get out of these time wasters and not look like a jerk? You know, I thought about this one, spare me's point here. I, I tend to agree with him on this, but I, 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 does that make me a curmudgeon? Anyway, Mary, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it makes you a curmudgeon. <laughs> Ouch. Of course it does. I mean, come on. But let's be honest. I'm a fan of some of these celebrations if there's cake. Um, if there's no cake, then I'm not so much of a fan. But I'll, you know, I once, I once spent like $150 on makeup at a Sephora once because they were giving mm -hmm. away these giant cupcakes for anyone who did like <laughs> the makeover thing. And then you have to buy stuff. So, all right. So, yes, I love, I don't love, but I can appreciate celebrations. So, what, so. <laughs> But remember and now, course, we're talking on Zoom. This is okay, Zoom. on Zoom. Zoom is completely different. So, yeah. Uh, and of there's... course, now 
I'm like thinking only of cakes. So I have to refocus myself. Exactly. To, to think, ain't no cake at this party. <laughs> to think about sparing me. So first of all, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, you know, stop being a curmudgeon just in general. Um, and doesn't mean you have to attend everything, but doesn't mean you have to discount it or demean it either. Some people mm -hmm. like this stuff. So mm -hmm. let them have what brings them joy. Stop being so judgmental because that's only going to hurt you. Um, I would say this. These social connections actually are important to other people, uh, and some of them might be important to your career. Uh, so pick and choose what you want to attend. You don't have to attend every single one, but pick and choose. Maybe you draw the line at gender reveal parties, or maybe you <laughs> decide only to go to the birthday celebrations. You don't have to go to all of them. So do polite declines for ones you don't want to go to, which is like, oh, thank you, Chris, so much. Uh, I'm unable to uh, attend that uh, celebration. I'm wishing you all the best. Be classy about it. And then you can also, since it's on Zoom, you can do the pop-in. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll try to pop in for 10 minutes, but I'm late on this report. That's due tomorrow. And then you do a 10-minute pop-in, write something in the comment box, and then pop out. The other thing you can do is like get on there turn your camera off and just ghost it. And every now and then pop something in the, in the <laughs> chat box and they think you're there. But I'd say, you know what, suck it up and attend a couple. Well, I, I think I think you've covered it all right there, Mary. I think you do have to be, look, play along. Play along to get along, right? And so it is a celebration uh, of some kind. So I also would say, find out when the celebration is going to happen, at the beginning or the end. If it's going to happen at the beginning, uh, you know, maybe you have a technical glitch, they show up a little later. Although I'd be judicious with that, you know, because <laughs> they're going to catch on to that. Um, I also think, too, that the, your, your, your point about this, about um, these are social moments, right? So the other thing you could do is, is if your platform has a, and I think it does on Zoom, a one-on-one -on -one function, find Misery Loves Company. Find somebody who's also on a, thinks the same way about you and have a side conversation. Just make sure you don't broadcast that to the entire room. So um, I, I'm going to interrupt you right there. That's a very dangerous thing to do. <laughs> like if Spare Me doesn't know enough of how to ghost or fake oh. it being there, I doubt Spare Me knows how to do the private chat. You got to be so careful with that. No, I agree, but I guess but he has time to do it if there's frequency of celebrations. Still learn. The other one too is I, I also think you could be preemptive uh, future celebrations, meaning that you could tell people, you know, what we should be doing is we should allocate time either before the call starts or after the call is over for those people who who know them well. But if you don't know them, I don't want to keep people here who don't. In terms of so you're stuff. saying add these like mini mini brations onto yes. already existing meetings and things instead of yeah. doing a whole outside new of one. the formal meeting. Yeah, uh, put it at the begin before yeah, a, a like preemptive that. because it also gives them a time to chat and stay. You know, it's you're not on the topic and no one can be irritated that way. Yeah. So you know what the, else you can do? Yes. Um, uh, this is going to require a little technology, uh -oh. but you can literally. Uh, record your a video of yourself using your Zoom, uh, like sitting in an office, like, you know, sitting in your desk, kind of nodding your head, looking, smiling, like doing all those attentive things. And then you literally can turn that into your, uh, uh, you put that up instead of your camera, you are playing a video of you. So people think you are there at the meeting because they're seeing this, but you're not actually there. Well, as long as bad news doesn't come up, 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but we're talking about celebrations. We're not talking know, about meetings. We're talking I about know, about know. things like there. So. Oh, that's so funny. That's good. Okay. Well, I think we've covered it. So I think the bottom line here is, look, uh, don't look like a jerk. Uh, play along. So. Spare me needs to just suck it up, attend exactly. a couple, don't attend everyone, and get it and change his, her, their attitude. Exactly. Hey, guys, if you have a workplace problem or a dilemma and you need an answer, write us a question at Cubicle Confidential. We'd love to hear from you. How about this next one now? Because this one's coming up on uh, this next question. You ready for the next question? I'm ready, baby. All right. This one's called Too Close for Comfort. I work at an IT consulting firm, and when we get hired, we often go to a client site and work on implementations for weeks on end. We work in small teams and in close quarters for long hours. We stay at the same hotel and share meals and rides to and from the client. Things can get pretty tense, and there's always bickering. The company decided to go on location again, and we're starting on a new engagement that is supposed to last six weeks. Ouch. I know. And I'm not looking forward to it. Any tips for ways to get along in close quarters? Signed, the reluctant den mother. I suspect Ooh. she's in charge. Ooh. So, the reluctant den right. mother. All right, den mom. Den mama. Um, I got a couple ideas. Um, mm -hmm. None of them, some of them may not work or none of them may work <laughs> or all of them might work. So Den Mother, I'm just going to throw a couple out here. I'm sure Chris has a ton of great ideas. Um, uh, you, before I actually give my my thoughts here, Chris, have you ever had to do this? Have you ever had to deploy with a group of business yes. uh, colleagues? I've had. I've had this kind of issue myself. I, I had a remote event once where they had one car and, and there was one hotel in town and we were there for several weeks. And it, it, it gets a little too intimate for my taste because <laughs> I don't really need to know as much as I learned. Did you have to live with these people? Well, we were in the same hotel. So, and okay. it was one of those sort of um, nothing, you know. Uh, Low frills? It was very low frill. And so we had, they had the same common breakfast area, you know, the same lunch. And then the dinner choices were three in the whole town. So we were often, to, and we only had one car. So it's not like you go to different places for dinner. So you really had to be in close quarters. Yeah. I, you know, I'm with the den mother. I, this would be very stressful for me as an introvert. I spent, I need yes. a lot of alone time. Uh, I mean, two days in hotel, even with the client in completely different floors, I start to feel sort of trapped. All right. So here's a couple of thoughts that I have for den, den mama. Uh, one is, at the beginning of the, we're going to call it deployment, at the beginning mm -hmm. of the deployment, uh, the engagement, sit down with the group and create some ground rules. Like really start the engagement by discussing things openly, making some agreements about how we all want to be with each other during these six weeks. You know, talk about things like people's preferences, their personality uh, preferences, their priorities, their pet peeves. How, do, uh, how does everybody feel about punctuality? What does punctuality look like if you're going to be meeting for dinner and things like that? Um, find out what people 
people's sort of aloneness time requirements are, but really kind of set some parameters and have an open conversation with each other about kind of the rules of the road, how we want to treat each other. And it might feel kind of awkward, but I think it will be an opportunity for people to really kind of express and articulate and share like their needs and their wants around being in a group for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, And talk also about things like what do we do when we start annoying each other? Uh, one, one ground rule that I use with a lot of my teams and facilitations is called the ouch rule. Uh, and the ouch rule says, if somebody does something that offends you or has a negative impact on you, it's your responsibility to say the word ouch. Because if the other person doesn't know you've ouched them, then they have no ability to make amends. So if someone bums you out, you got to say ouch. And then you got to make sure that you're going to go have that conversation with them. Uh, And I think if the den mother is going to be the den mother, then she's got to like be ready to help people do this. Because the worst thing you can do is start triangulating, right? Start triangulating mm. and like, oh my God, Chris, you wouldn't believe what Jack said, or blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, because that's just going to poison the well. Um, carve out whatever alone time that you need to be healthy and whole and just try to be a little forgiving uh, and understanding of others. So those are a couple of my ideas. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Well, I, I like your ideas. I, I think uh, the ground rules, I think, are critical. Now, again, I think this is a competent individual. My guess is she knows the process of what she's doing. So meaning that she knows the prioritize of work, uh, gather the requirements, you know, uh, create the project plan, kick off me, all of those things that are the process of the work she does. I think what we're talking about here have more to do with the stages of team development. Interesting. I think this is an issue. And the stages of team development, is, as some of you might know, are the forming, storming, norming, performing. And the last one I would call... Adjourning. Mm-hmm. Morning. I call it morning. Oh, morning. <laughs> morning is the loss of somebody. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. But this forming stage is where Mary, I thought, really hit it, is that you got to start with the ground rules. The only problem with the ground rules in the forming stage is this is the honeymoon stage. It's like when you when you get married, oh, I'll never mind that you snore. Oh, that will never bother me. Of course it will. You see what I'm saying? So we don't I, bring up I some don't things. care if you're on time or not. I don't exactly. mind waiting for you. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't have to shower this week. You smell great. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, but the forming stage prevents us from saying some of the things because that's the stage of politeness. I think where we all go, and we all do this, by the way, every team goes to storming because that's where we start to sort of um, vie for power or attention or what we want to do versus what they want to do. And then I think we would go back to Mary's ground rules. At this point, we would revisit because I love that ouch rule because now we have to, yeah, we start bringing some more of these. We say, okay, what else do we need to do? What other problems? Because now in that stage, it becomes more real because then you get to some norming. Norms are how do we operate with each other that are conducive to getting the work done in a way that everyone remains sane, right? And only then, once you get past norming, are you at high performing. This is a myth that people think you can be a high performing team without doing any of these things. Not every team gets to high performing. It's to Mary's point. If you do not have an ouch mechanism of some kind, you might have a passive aggressive event that goes on. And then they start complaining about things that aren't germane to the work, but are are, are signals for the work. So for instance, oh, I don't want to go with her. She always... uh, 
takes too much ketchup. Well, it's, is it really about the ketchup or is it about her not sharing? You see what I'm saying? So well, this and is, yet, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, yeah, and so I think what people go wrong is they think, well, yeah, we get that uh, forming, storming, norming in the work, but we're talking about in our personal time. Yeah. But I think if you're no. being deployed, you've got to realize that those two have blended. Exactly. And if you don't, if you're not getting along well uh, in your personal off hours in the hotel and things like that, that's going to bleed into your ability to do the task, right? Exactly. This is this is an ex- this is could be an exercise in projection, and that's yeah. where the den mother has to come in, and she's got to peel the onion, as it were, and say what's really going on here. What's really going on here? I also. Think think uh, uh, this last point about this, and then I'm going to one more point to make, is this morning where you called it adjourning. I think there is an adjourning when the team leaves. That's fine. Uh, and back, to, I kind of like when you have an after action review, and that's where you talk about what worked, what didn't work here for the next time. But morning is more specific to a change of the team. So if Mary leaves my team and she's replaced by Jack, people often think we were performing really well till Jack showed up. That's that not bastard. true. Exactly. We blame Jack, but the reality is you're back to the forming stage. And so what we should be doing is mourning the team's loss, saying we're done with this team. On Monday, we're starting a new team and we're going to go with new ground rules and go through this again. Let me make one more, one or two more points because uh, it's about this downtime. Mary mentioned it as well. I'm an introvert. I think you should have debriefs at the end of the day in the workroom and then you should make uh, dinners optional not mandatory. There should be one dinner a week, maybe, that, that you would make sort of a team event. But beyond that, I think socializing should have its own sort of a rhythm. I also think that you, if you're going to be a leader of the den mother and you take your team out, do not deliberately talk about work at the bar or anywhere where you're socializing because the people who don't show will feel left out. And then it starts to be the in crowd versus the out crowd. So if you do bring up work at the bar and other members of the team aren't there, you bring up what you said at the bar the next day to those teammates so that we're all on the same page and they don't feel bad about not showing up. So last but not least, uh, if you do socialize with your, 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 your cubbies, as it were, dead mother, do not be the last to leave. Leave them, give them their own space as well. So. I'm pausing because you said that was your last point three points ago. Or is that really? I know, but I'm going to have one more point. There is another one, though. There is another no! one. No! <laughs> <laughs> let's do a little summarization. People. Yeah, do summarize. Um, all right. So let's sum up. So first of all, we want you to think about uh, the the time outside of the office when you're just in the deploy, also as part of the team building process. Okay. Understand you're going to go through some phases of this. Uh, one of those phases is storming, which is essential in some ways in order for you to actually build trust because in storming is when people start to think how do I fit into this team mm-hmm. and they start to exert their independence so your role as den mother is to help guide this group through these stages mm-hmm. by doing things like making sure there's some uh, rules of engagement that you're talking about stuff that you're not showing favorites uh, that you are uh, providing both uh individual time and work uh, and social together time um, and really paying attention to the dynamics. I would also say I would think it would be important for Den Mother to pay attention to whether or not people are being ostracized or if there's any really big clicks going on. Yes. Like you want people that feel feel independent for their own time, but like check in with those people. Like if Chris never attends any dinners, 
maybe he doesn't feel welcome, or maybe he just likes to be by himself. So I would mm-hmm. also say be on the lookout for those, you know, kind of squishy things because right. they will impact your work. That was great. That was great. Uh, we'll wrap this one up because we've got one more question here. And this would really ties back to that irritating customers that Mary, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll, you'll sort of appreciate this. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying Cubicle Confidential, then why don't you give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen to? We'd really appreciate it as we're trying to bring Cubicle Confidential to everybody. This one's called Morning Joe, and morning as in sad, much like the last <laughs> phase, right? <laughs> oh my God, I feel like this is going to give me uh, flashbacks, but go ahead. I work the early shift behind the counter at a famous pancake house. Oh, we have one of those in Chicago. Uh, A couple times a week, I have this customer, let's call him Joe, who does nothing but complain. He doesn't seem to like anything or anyone. I'm afraid to talk to him because once he starts, he just goes on and on and on. Regulars will avoid the counter and that hurts my take-home pay. How do I make this guy either change his attitude or at the very least, shut the f*** up? (laughs) Well, well, pull no punches there. Sign Don of the Dead. (laughs) All right, Don. So this really does, like I feel this one in my stomach, Chris. This really Mm -hmm. does bring back a a bit of PTSD (laughs) from owning the bars. Um, We had more than our fair share of these kind of people. And I, mm-hmm. I'm going to do a shout out right now to my sister, Stephanie Abajay, who was the co-owner with me on this. Uh, Stephanie, who does this remind you of? <laughs> we had a particular customer. Let's call this person, I'm going to call this person Mike. Uh, literally was this person, but was a little more odd and he literally drove people out of the bar so he'd come in he'd come in almost every evening he'd sit at the bar and he would just be weird uh to us and to our customers and people would you know they would just stop coming in and sitting at the bar they go sit at tables so i've lived this this is joe you're describing joe oh my god so i got a couple of ideas uh for uh don of the dead One is, uh, do definitely try to kill for this particular one, try to kill them with a little bit of kindness. If it's, if it's his negativity, that's really the problem, then be really kind to him. Uh, but every time he says something negative, flip it and say something positive. Misery loves company. What misery doesn't love is a positive attitude. So let's say he's like, oh my God, you know, this weather or the mayor of this town is blah, blah, blah. Turn around and say, oh my God, I think today's a gorgeous day. I think the mayor is doing a great job. If you counteract everything he does with a sunny, like positive spin, I promise you, he will stop complaining to you at least because he, <laughs> yeah, because it, it, his, his, his rant takes no purchase. Like he can't, planet anywhere. So do that. Um, be super nice to all the positive people at your counter. So you kind of be like, hey, Joe, good to see you. Yeah, today is a gorgeous day. Turn your back and talk to other people. Engage with them. Be friendly and be positive with them. Um, another strategy that I've tried in real life is um, if he's really a regular, like if he shows up every day, 
why don't you give him his own seat at the very end of the counter where he you are literally limiting his ability to impact or talk with other people it can be joe's seat you know but put it far away from everybody else and make him sit there and then the last thing you can do is you know talk to your manager um if this guy is really driving away your customers, then somebody may need to either have a kind of conversation with him or like in your filings basement story, let right. this guy know that he's welcome at Howard's Pancake House, not your Pancake House. So it really depends on how bad he is. So these are just some some ideas that we have used successfully and not successfully sometimes uh, in my past life as a bar and nightclub owner. So to you, my friend, what are your thoughts? Well, let's just quickly summarize here. I, I think you're, you're telling her, try to be Mary Sunshine as much as possible in, in the presence of this person and anyone that she is around and redirect her efforts toward those people that are really positive as, in return. Right. And this positivity works against his negativity. I wouldn't recommend right. that for everything. No, but no, if no. If this no. person's spinning negative, you got to spin it back and yeah, positive. You're, you're, yeah, you're turning, turn it up, turn it up yeah. when he's around. The other thing is isolate him if, if at all possible and worst comes to worst, go to management. So I yeah. think that those are pretty good. I, I, I know a, I have a friend who has a mother possessed of this quality and it's very difficult to be around somebody like this because they, they suck the joy right out of the air. You right know? out. That's a problem. And it becomes literally a joy-free space. And here's the problem with her being so nice. He's not going to change. He's just going to redirect his venom towards anyone sitting around him. So that's going to be a problem. Uh, so I think one of the challenges with that is, uh, you know, you, you hope, you hope, can I, can I engage him and, and maybe change the behavior and he'll have an epiphany and it'll be like Groundhog Day. I don't think no. it'll be that way at all. No, never happened. Uh, and I'm very, I, I don't know if management will side with you, but I would hope that they take that into account if you do approach them. I'll tell you the last resort that I would take is, is screw up his orders. Some of them will be the oh wrong God, I items. never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, some, you're gonna, it's going to arrive late. His coffee is always cold, uh, or if he receives coffee at all. So in essence, be a shitty waitress for that window of time. Okay, you know, that's so Machiavellian. I love it. I actually really love it. Now, in the, in the short term, it's going to give him more fodder for complaints. Absolutely. But in the long term, it's worth a try because it's like worth, yeah. at some point, he's going to be like, why am I coming in here if you get my order wrong and my pancakes are exactly. cold? It's, that was very clever, Chris DeSantis. I'm, I'm well, very, I'm very kind of, I'm kind of impressed by your devilishness there. Well, she's, <laughs> I want her to be a ditz for a day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Um, well, I think that right. wraps it up then I, for our I three. Think, I think we got three good. Those are three really fun questions, Chris. Yeah, well, thank I thought you. they were nice, thank, yeah. Thank you, Dawn and Den Mother, the Dawn of the Dead, <laughs> Den Mother, and Spare Me uh, for uh, sending in your questions today. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode of Cubicle Confidential. You know, we have to give a big thanks and a big hug to our amazing, overworked, still underpaid producer, Mr. Jack Edinger. If any of you have a workplace question or a cubicle dilemma, give us a shout. No question is too large, no question is too small. There are tons of ways to reach us. You can email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com. You can tweet us at cubicleconfide1. Find us on LinkedIn or Facebook. Or just find Chris DeSantis and Mary Abijay. People, we're everywhere. Uh, so we look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, work hard, be kind, and if you can't, call us.
Jack, let's hear some music. 